Hey, it's Matterall. I'm here with Mike Azariah, who is running for CSM 16, I believe. And that is uh, voting tomorrow, right? We got Now you got to hit your push to talk. Oh, I think they released the uh, voting starts today uh, page a day early and screwed up and then promptly pulled it off again. <laughs> Well, uh, I think it's tomorrow and it's Tuesday, so good luck with uh, that whole election thing. But I wanted to talk with you because you're um, somebody I think that needs a, uh, a little more exposure because of this, the kind of things that you actually represent, which are things that I like and I want um, to know about. So that's why I invited you on on this little interview. And so this is an hour with uh, Mike and we'll talk about him. And also talk a little bit about uh, what shaped a lot of his ideas and his experiences and, and all that sort of thing. All right. Well, how are you today, Mike? I'm looking forward to it. All right. Good. I am good. Uh, after this, I'm back out in the garden. We had to delay the start because I was off uh, getting gardening supplies, some chicken wire and steaks and that sort of thing. Are you building a catio for that giant cat behind you? <laughs> no, she's allowed out on our upstairs deck, but she doesn't get to go outside. Uh, for people wondering, that is a Maine Coon. She weighs in just a shade over 20 pounds right now. That's so funny because doing that puts her on the tip of your finger. So it looks like you are you have her on a plate, like a platter, you know? <laughs> spinning the cat. Right. Uh, okay, so Mike, you are running for the Council of Stellar Management. For people that don't know what that is, can you explain since you've been there before? <laughs> A few times. Okay, I actually, um, one of the links that I sent to you ahead of time, but you can look it up, is eBuni. I did a full uh, set of talks on the history of the CSM, the current CSM, and how the vote works. That was not campaign stuff, that was just lessons on the CSM, but the elevator pitch, the CSM is a group of players that other players elect who get exact um, direct access to the developers of the game. We get told what they're considering doing, sometimes. We get to give them feedback, uh, honest feedback, in hopes that if it's a bad idea, we can stop it. If it's a slightly bad idea, we can change it. And we can give them feedback from and perspective from our various gaming viewpoints. So if they come out and say, we're going to uh, change nullification and work course stabs, then the people who fly in low sec and null sec will have a lot to say about something like that. And they can feed their feedback in the forums on r slash eve. But the smart thing to do would be actually contact your CSM representative that is in existence and say, can you say this? Now, if you um, if your feedback is, I hate this, unsubbing all 32 of my accounts, we'll shrug, smile, and wave bye-bye to you. If you can say, this is bad because X, this will cause Y. If you can give a reasoned argument, when we go to CCP, we don't just take your screaming at us and turn around and scream at them. We have to be able to make a logical and coherent argument to be able to convince CCP when they've done something bad, what they should do to fix it, or at least um, inquire as to what their plan is. Is it just we want a smaller game, or is it we want space to be smaller? I've heard people uh, suggest that they actually start removing star systems so that we crowd everybody together like rats in a cage so there's more content, which is a fancy word for battle. Uh, <laughs> On the other hand, I've heard people say we need more space because we're getting bored with all the star systems that we have. Recently, we had a change in space with Potchfin in this past year, which was not more or less, but a change of the rules of space. Prior to that, we had the Shattered Systems and Thera. And so over the years, CCP has made changes. And if you want to give feedback, Electing a representative will talk to you, electing a represent or knowing that there are representatives players who will take your ideas forward and actually be able to have the ear of a developer. That's what the CSM is. Okay. And there's like, um, on a more technical level, there's like three 
pieces to it. One, uh, right? Like there's, uh, you channel what players are wanting to say to CCP filtered through you and your good judgment. There's communicating with the players on behalf of CCP on what some of these changes are. And I think the third one is something like influencing the path of creativity or development of the game. Like there's a like stated reasons. There's three. I think that's the last version I saw the CSM white paper or whatever changes every few years. So they've actually removed the white paper. So they just took it all uh, out. They took it all out. Yeah. I, asked about it and got told, yeah, we don't do that anymore. And I'm going, what? I worked on that bloody thing at CSM 10. I helped write paragraphs in that thing. <laughs> and so it was kind of like, what do you mean you threw it out? I That was important to me. Hours yeah, um, of spell it, checking. The funny thing is that the CSM, every CSM kind of tries to define itself. And I said this the other day, but if you have a lot of incumbents elected, then they try to carry through what they had the CSM before because they think it works. If you have a whole bunch of new people come in, then they will have their own way of uh, wanting to approach things, wanting to do things, and you get a redefinition of how the CSM treats with the players, treats with the people. At one time, there were elected officers in the CSM, and there was one officer who was the secretary and their job, they were the ones who were supposed to be the front facing to the rest of the players, not the rest of the CSM. Just one person had that job to release minutes and to say what we were talking about. Yeah, that was, I did some research into CSM and it was interesting to me that CSM existed pre, I think pre-game, like 2003, certainly before pre-CSM, I mean, it was pre-CSM creation date, right? Birth date of CSM. So they had the idea, they held on to it. They tried to work with it initially when the game launched and it didn't work because it was all through chat channels and they were very slow at the time. And developers were like, this is a waste of time. Why am I dealing with players uh, through chat? It just takes up all my time. And then they shelved it. And then it went for, I think a couple of years. And then a T20 incident came out, right? Which was this uh, scandal where uh, developers were playing the game too, and there was uh, a lot of, true or not, there was a lot of attention on a developer that was helping out his team or apparently helping out the team. Oh, it was true. The developer actually uh, published an apology for what he did. Um, the BPCs, pardon me, BPOs were returned or removed from the game. Yeah. Um, he, the funny thing was it was like four ammo BPOs and a saber. Yeah, it was the saber. All I ever remember hearing is the saber, the saber, where's my saber? But the, uh, the idea that this guy was, uh, was he generating the actual BPOs, the blueprint originals? I think he was putting his thumb on the scale of the lottery. Um, so but I never got the, the, yeah. Yeah. So there at the time BP. T2 BPOs were available in kind of a lottery research. So if you researched, you had a chance of actually getting a T2 BPO. And so for people to get them, it's not suddenly it appeared, it was, it looked legitimate. It's like if you could control the numbers for a lottery behind the scenes on the wow. draw, weight certain balls, then it would look legit to the outside but you would know that you could tell your friends, make sure you take 42, 13, 9, 6, and 1, and then that, th then you'll win. Oh, that is really, that is really uh, nefarious is the word I use for that sort of stuff. So it wasn't uh, something careless. It was like, I'm going to try to keep this hidden. I'm trying to do this on the... Well, it looked legit until I think uh, basically when you have a secret, the only way to keep it is not tell anybody. As soon as two people know, you've hugely increased the chance that the secret will get out unless you kill one of them. <laughs> um, thoughts of like your, what's buried in your backyard just popped into my head. <laughs> but, um, well, that's why I'm doing the gardening. That's why you're <laughs> uh, So... So the T20 incident happens, right? That's historic. People can read about that. And CCP basically, uh, to calm people down, says, look, we're, we need player representations. We, we've always needed player representation, and we're, we're brushing off this old idea, and we're bringing it. 
And now here it is, the CSM pops into existence around 2005, I think. Yeah, and that's when the first official white paper or that version of the white paper was written. Uh, I cannot think of the dev's name who did it. I think I'm not even sure he's there anymore. But it was quite a involved and academic paper talking about uh, political power and giving some of the power back to the players themselves. Mm -hmm. And so it was, like I said, it was very academic at the time. And then slowly over the years, we've rewritten it. But the idea of having an election to choose the players prior to that, the CSM you were talking about in 2003-2004, was CCP chose the players that they would talk to. And they actually did um, something you see come up in the proposal still. It was um, who you represented. So they took three null sec players, three um, low sec, and three high sec, and then two at large. And so it was they wanted to make sure that they got a diversity of opinion and not just uh, when the players started voting, you start worrying about uh, who has the voting power and whether or not there will be a diversity or whether it will be a null sec. You see the complaints these days. Yeah. Uh, the CSM is run by the null sec, although well, seven not null sec. Well, that's what makes you special. You can fight through that. I mean, seven out of 10, eight out of 10 spots are pretty much going to group, uh, grouped voting blocks. And that leaves only competitively for people who don't have a constituency or are blessed by their block to be uh, a CSM candidate. There's only three spots left and you won one of those spots uh, last year. Yeah, and I'm cheering for uh, some of the people this year that aren't on ballots and I really wish they were. Uh, the thing is, uh, prior, just before this, um, we started this, I was in a talking in stations chat, one of the other channels, and we were talking about the various, you know, goons have a ballot, Pappy has a ballot, Test has a ballot, and there are these null ballots, and they've actually negotiated and swapped candidates. So if you put our guy at number three, we'll put your guy at number three. But they're all trading amongst themselves. Yeah, it's collusion. And <laughs> no, it's it's the art it's of politics. I'm yeah, not. Uh, I'm not. I want to make it really clear. I'm. I know not you're complaining. not complaining about it. I know you're not complaining about it. And I actually. But it uh, is collusion. Gave really the gears, and it was funny because in the chat I go, "Yeah, I notice I'm not on any of those." And he says, "Well, to tell the truth, Mike, we don't think you need it." And I'm going, "Damn rights, I need it." Like, uh, can we take a second and talk about how the election is? Uh, counted these days because some people might not be aware of the um, STV. So how the votes are counted in the single transferable? Yeah, single transferable vote. Oh, oh V. Okay. I thought you said <laughs> STD. I was like, what's he talking about? So uh, <laughs> Go ahead. the STV, Sierra Tango Victor, Thank you. is... Uh, <laughs> Not Sierra Tango Delta. That's something else. And we'll <laughs> have a little chat after. <laughs> Somebody in uh, chat here says, I look like I'm your uncle or something. Fine. Oh, must be all the, all the face gear. <laughs> so um, the single transferable vote, the way it works is uh, as of tomorrow, the players will have an opportunity to log in their characters, not in game, but um, log on to the Eve, we Eve Online website. And... Once they're logged in that account, they can go to the voting and prioritize up to 10 names because there are 10 seats. Now, when the voting gets counted, the they use a really, well, that cat is real. <laughs> Sorry, I've, Futility just said something on the side. Trust the, me, that, those did you see her bathing herself a few for, seconds ago? For those that are listening on the podcast, there is a, a cat on a tree behind Mike, and it's uh, sleeping, and it's got his arm over the edge of the sleeping platform. And like I said, 20 pounds of cat. You know, you don't have to eat it all at once. You can space it out, have it for lunches for a few days. Oh, my. Go so on, anyways, man. anyways, back to the voting. So when the votes are counted, it goes through quite a complex um, series of iterations. It's not the old, the way most elections, say, in North America work, is called first past the post. Whoever gets the most votes wins. If you're electing 10 people, then the 10 people who got the most votes will get in. The problem with that is 
if you only need 3,000 to pass the bar and 8,000 people vote for you, 5,000 of those votes were wasted. Like they were not necessary for the election. And so literally only if we had 10 people, um, a lot of the votes would either be for somebody who lost or too many for the people who won and very few votes actually meant anything. They get lost in the play. So uh, one of the devs was a political science major and I guess he'd come across the Australian voting, which is called the STV, Single Transferable Vote. And so when you put down a prioritized list of who you want to elect, then if your first person is elected, the excess votes bleed down to the second choices. So if, say, 5,000 people voted for Vili and had me as their second choice and he only needed 3,000 to make the, uh, make the bar, 2,000 of those votes would spill over onto me and allow me, so these people's ballots, even if they were in excess and not needed, were still counted for their second choice. If I got elected, it would go down to the third choice. At the same time, uh, the bottom, whoever gets the fewest number of uh, first vote choices, so they count all the first choice, first choice votes, and whoever is the lowest, say somebody got 250 and everybody else got a number higher than that, that person is removed from the camp, from the election, and all of their second choices spill up. And so slowly we're spilling from the top down and from the bottom up. Each run, somebody gets eliminated from the bottom, whoever's in last place, and then they calculate all the excess spill down, all the removed votes spill up, and you keep going until there are 10 people left. So it's kind of like a survivor. Um, the funny thing is, and I see it's actually being commented here that this helps the big blocks because it lets them campaign and choose how they were. But I can tell you for a fact, I ran in, in elections for CSM 5, 6, and 7. And it was first past the post. Never got on. CSM 8 was the first time that we had a STV vote, and that was the first time I got elected. Well, and so I am... Well, I'm six foot three and over 200 pounds, but I am a little guy. <laughs> and that's how it's supposed to work, right? You're supposed to vote for your dreamy candidate first. And if the person doesn't have enough support, then you don't lose your vote. It'll go to your second dreamiest candidate. But I don't know if people actually use it that way, especially considering um, the voting the voting blocks uh, put out a ballot, uh, sorry, the NullSec blocks put out a ballot to their guys, and they have a lot of guys. Uh, they're in NullSec. They need a lot of guys. And they say, uh, in this order, because we want your second dreamy to be the next guy's second dreamy. So it all goes down to that second guy once we get the first guy in. The funny thing is that one of the stats, um, I think it's, no, I want to say it's Nosy Gamer, but I'm not 100% sure, uh, do analysis of the block voting. And while a lot of the people in the blocks vote for the first choice, there is not as much spillover as you might think uh, that people will say, yeah, we'll give you your first, maybe your second, but after that, I'm going to make my own decisions. And I encourage that. Well, that's interesting. And the other thing I really encourage is, um, like I said, CCP right at the beginning wanted a, div a diversity of play styles so that when something is proposed we have we're looking at it um through a, a bunch of different eyes not 10 pairs of the same uh philosophy and game style so when they make a change i really would like a wormholer there to say that's really going to screw us over you know and i would like somebody from potchfin saying we're rich but who cares i would like oh. some <laughs> <laughs> Cheap shot. No, they, they cheap might. shot. I can do my cheap shots. Both <laughs> Potchven people are probably going to vote for somebody else, anyways. The uh, uh, don't they write know, the magic And you books? want you want somebody from high sec who can say, you know, this really doesn't affect us at all, or it is going to hurt us. Uh, when they did the or redistribution, and now high sec um, 
manufacturers can't get half the materials because it's all in null and low. So they're at the mercy of people who ship it up or they have to go down and get it themselves. And they're in high set because they don't want to go down and get it themselves. So having a lot of different players is something that you really should look at doing. And I understand that if you have a loyalty to the goons or to test or to any of the large organizations, look at the balance say, yeah, let's get one of our guys in there. But you don't need five of your guys in there. Well, the trick is, how do you get them to decide on five if they can get seven? Like, uh, they won't be able to correct the problem, will they? Well, there's no point. There's no um, reason for NullSec to say, we'll only run three guys. If they can run the board and get all their people on, they will. I mean, it was funny. I went back to the very old forum archives, and uh, there were people complaining about goons taking over the CSM in 2004. And so they were, there were also calls to disband this 2004. Yeah, yeah. When they were doing the pick and choose and only took three, get, but get serious about it till 2010, I think. Yeah, I know, but it's just, they, uh, but that's how it goes. And so, uh, the NullSec has always been a organized B, like you said, there are a large bunch of people who tend to work and follow the leader of whoever is leading them at the time and C they're used to answering pings and coming up and doing things as a large group. This is how they operate. High sec, you can't ping high sec. You they, can't say, come on guys, we're all gonna go. They'll say, screw you, I'm gonna do my own thing. They also, so aren't they also overmatched psychologically? They, they don't have, um, maybe they don't have the confidence to vote also because they're told their vote won't actually even matter. That's the thing. And that's a that's the other thing that NullSec is very good at. Go into r slash Eve and you'll see today is meme Monday. Um, they revel in uh, being able to do propaganda and, uh, you know, try to talk down, convince, do mind ops or psyops to convince the other side that they've already lost. And so they do their best to convince HiSec that their vote won't count when I'm telling you every vote counts because that's how STV works. And that even you as a single person, you're, if you put 10 names on, one of those people's going to get, it is really hard, although there's 46, 47 people running. The odds of you being so lackluster as to pick 10 names and none of them get on, Leastwise, you bent the bar a little. You tilted things. All right. Well, on the other hand, if you fill out your STV and only put two names on or one name on, you're, you might say that your vote may or may not count. All right. Well, enough about the system. The, 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 the takeaway is they developed CSM, that players run for CSM. Uh, the uh, NullSec groups have a lock on some seats, but vote, every vote counts. The more people vote the more likely their candidate is to get in. And I think that, I mean, it has to be said, if you're in high sec, don't get discouraged. Uh, your vote still matters and uh, and can matter. I'm actually surprised when I look with Noisy Gamer, he is the guy that looks at the stats afterwards. And um, there's a lot to be learned from looking at the voting patterns. You can tell what blocks voted for what, and the blocks are not outvoting by much. Together they are, but each block... Uh, their ballot isn't isn't as heavy as it what you would think. It's not thousands and thousands of people. It's just hundreds, and you can overcome that uh, if you if you participate. So, I think the main takeaway is participate, especially if you're in high sec where you feel like your vote doesn't matter. Yeah, and that's that's one of the things I really want to uh, get across on today's show is vote. Like, if you vote for me, I. I'd appreciate it. But if you don't vote for me, I'm okay. But please vote. That's the key thing uh, is that the most wasted vote is one that you don't even bother logging in and doing and then bitch for the next uh, 12 months about how the game is lousy and you're unsubbing your 32 accounts. Okay, let's talk about you and some of the experience you have. Uh, not in the way of promotion, but I just think that 
uh, people should know that your experience is genuine. Like you've actually, when you give advice, you've actually seen it, right? It's not theoretical advice. It's not stuff you've heard necessarily from, uh, from players. It seems like your advice is very organic. That's why I think you're different. I do my best. Um, if you're talking about my history in the game or in CSM, then uh, the, the, like I said, there's two things I can point at. One is uh, the bowhead, which uh, CCP's gone on record as saying I'm the one who pushed it through. And the second is uh, drone assist when they uh, were at one time thinking of completely removing drone assist from the game. And I fought for that on behalf of incursion pilots because I've been a drone bunny. I like being a drone bunny and I didn't want them to take that toy away from me. What's the drone bunny? Sorry, uh, nicknames for things like Eve has its all, each section of Eve has its own uh, phraseology for, uh, when you're running an incursion, we would give one fast targeting ship. Usually for me, it was a Loki at the time. And everybody who brought drones would just toss them onto the Loki. And then the Loki would eliminate all the small targets nearby and just keep the field clean. Well, the big DPS ships were taking care of, um, you know, the ships, the targets in order. I was given free reign to just keep the nearby area clear as possible, get rid of the jammers and, you know, the stuff hitting the little irritating ships that weren't killing us, but were making life right. difficult. But you, were, you was, were designated by other pilots to be the target aimer for them. They would attach their drones to you. Right. And so when you joined a when you join any fleet, quite often there are a series of jobs. Um, this this guy's the anchor, so we all anchor up on him. This guy is our scout, and so in incursions fleets we would have uh, DPS anchor, Lodgy anchor. Um, sometimes if you had the mining ship for some of those ones, that was a preset, and you had the drone bunny, and it would just be announced, you know. Drone bunny hit D, and you would do that, and everybody, as soon as you get in, assign drones to the bunny, and you would just have those people. If you were Lodgy, you knew who who your who was on your mm -hmm. chain, so there'd be one up, one down, that sort of thing. I don't know how Nullsec fleets organize, but one would presume that they have individual specialists that the others focus on, so you don't have everybody wandering all over the place like a bunch of chickens in the yard. Yeah. So for those that don't know, there was a time where you could a drone, you could assign an unlimited amount of drones to one pilot, and that pilot would aim and fire, and all the drones that were assigned to him, hundreds, would fire at the same time at the same target and just eviscerate whatever they hit. It was a delete button. Now, what was the, there was a name for that fleet in Null, and that's why they want to remove it. Can you remember the name of that doctrine? Well, it was Slow Cats, and then Slow Cats evolved into the Wrecking Ball. And slow cats were basically archons, right? Those were the carriers from Amar. And those would spider tank each other, which means they would create a web of uh, one-way repairs and capacitor generation. So they could essentially heal each other and create uh, an invulnerable group of carriers with thousands of drones because they could use drones at the time. They didn't have to use fighters. They could use drones. And so you put the sentries out uh, and they would just be sitting there like turrets. So you had thousands of turrets aimed by one guy, and you couldn't remove those turrets because they belonged to Archons, which were invulnerable. And that was uh, slow cats. But then... Yeah, and, and just a second. Sure. And that and these this was a doctrine. Um, it reminds me of the Tinker setup in various uh, tournament battles that have happened in the past. Just that idea of getting the interfacing of your own fleet makes you damn near impossible to get. The other pro problem that CCP had with it was uh, one thing you didn't mention was once they were in position, literally pilots could go AFK and you could just have one guy who stayed there who shot all the drones and he could sweep the board and everybody else, I'm going off for coffee or I'm going to go make dinner and their mm -hmm. drones would still be active and it would still be an awesome weapon. Yeah, I mean, you eviscerate battleships every, you know, the cadence was every few seconds. You just eviscerate a battleship. Um, and then they took that concept of invulnerable field of carriers and they created that into a ball using warp. And then inside the ball, they would uh, 
uh, Sino in super capitals. And so the super capitals, when they land, were inside of a ball um, that uh, completely contained them. So they didn't go bouncing out and away into deep space where they become vulnerable, which is a big deal for super capital pilots because super capitals at the time were rare and super expensive. And we're hoping to see them super expensive again, and then they will become rare again, and they will become special again. So that's part of what uh, is going on in the game. But let's talk about like, uh, so you fought to save incursion gameplay, even though they were trying to nerf nullsec gameplay. And those are some of the things that you did in your past as part of CSM. Yeah, and that's again talking about what I when I say diversity of the players in the CSM being an advantage if they'd been all null and they all agreed that yeah slow cats are kind of a shit play then they'd all be saying yep nobody needs that anymore and they wouldn't think about the other things the same goes for um uh one of the ideas that gets proposed uh they they're going with a different thing and they've announced that with cloaky camping was somebody proposed uh cloak fuel yeah and that's a you know, they worked out all their little jiggles, but they totally ignored the fact that this would screw wormhole space because how would they be shipped? They would have to have a constant flow of fuel in to be able to do that. And wormhole lives and dies by cloak. Right, because they're invisible until uh, until they're discovered. And without the cloak, you can be discovered. So it would kind of wreck that. Uh, so, so your job in there is basically to advise CCP on collateral damage, let's call it, and advise them. And so a diversity of gameplay would protect more styles of game because experts, subject matter experts, would be able to say like, okay, that's a great idea for you five guys, but for us, this this hits us this way. And so... Yeah. yeah and the other, the other thing I want to bring up, it's based partially... I'm trying to watch the chatter to the side, although I'm not answering <laughs> it directly. I'll ask you questions from there if you want. Yeah, no, no. Well, we both can. Okay. The uh, One of the key things is very seldom do we do elections within the CSM to decide what to talk about. So if I come forward and want to say something about the new player experience, for example, to CCP, I'm welcome to do that. I don't have to check with my fellow CSMs who occasionally roll their eyes and go, he's on it again. But, <laughs> you know, there we, goes Mike again. Yeah, there goes Mike. But it's one voice is as powerful as nine. And that's one of the reasons why uh, somebody said, how many players do you need on the CSM from any one organization? One. If they're good and a good speaker and able to... Uh, carry an idea and carry a thought then you don't need five people from any organization it will not give you any more power other than the fact that you took a seat that somebody else from another organization could have had it's more a blocking maneuver than it is a power maneuver yeah the space deprivation they do that in advertising too they buy a bunch of advertising space just to make sure their opponents don't get that space what um why do they then not set up a different system. I don't know how they would do it. Uh, maybe wardens of gameplay, right? Like we have, you know, certain gameplay uh, and we reserve at least a couple seats for, you know, faction people or base, basic, you know, based on population. They know the population and where, where people are active. So they could basically say, you know what? 50% of the population is in, um, well, we saw the population a few years ago and if it was, what it is today, what it was then, it is you know, 70, 80% high sec. Um, I think the problem comes with uh, being sure that the person that is elected saying that they belong to one or one part of space maintains that uh, loyalty. There's a very famous scene that happened at a fan fest a few years ago where a wormholer got elected, which doesn't happen very often, and immediately walked across the stage when they were presenting who got elected and took a goon shirt and joined the goons. Or well, he shook hands with Scion. Yeah, yeah shook hands with shirt. Scion. Yeah. And so pretty much the wormholers felt totally screwed. I thought we elected a representative, and all of a sudden he's saying he's a goon. Well, he did. I mean, he was a representative for wormholes. It's not like he's going to 
not represent them, but it was kind of a publicity stunt for the power of diplomacy of Goonswarm, which was inappropriate because we're talking about player representation. So I think when Goonswarm says we don't meta CSM, they forget that moment, um, you know, and they've done other things to meta CSM or to, to play with it as kind of a, at least a vision thing, right? At least to show their power. I think I, I, Matani getting the chairmanship was meta you know, CSM. That was back in 2010 or 11. And even up to... Uh, no, it was 2000... Yeah, 2010, pardon me. It was CSM 6 that he was elected uh, and the goons bragged that he was elected with like, I want to say 29 or 30,000 votes for him. Like he did not just take first place. His total votes exceeded the sum of all the other votes. Yeah, show of strength. That's, you know, that was... Uh, I don't know. It's a, it's a vision thing. It's... Uh, it's a way of showing strength. You show wealth, you show power, you show popularity, you show things to show strength. And so that is meta. But in your, I don't know why this is going on. But um, for you, let's go back to talking about you. Um, you said something that was kind of interesting. We'll switch gears here and talk about, um, wait a second, I got to, for some reason, my, uh, my, the sound is coming through. I don't know if you guys can hear it. The doo doot. That shouldn't be happening. All the stuff's uh, anyway. For you, you said something that's very interesting about uh, yanking. A question that I kind of wanted settled by CCP. They're reluctant to settle it, and that I don't think it can be settled. But you said, look, yanking isn't necessarily a good retention mechanism for new guys. It's the talking to afterwards in a supportive way not in a griefing way, but a supportive way that is the retention, not the actual gank. The socialization, yeah. And not, I don't consider, I consider harvesting tears just a continuation of the gank. It's not socialization, it's mocking. But um, I've been ganked and promptly contacted by the person going, it was an alt. And he said, God, you're like a week old. on this character yeah and he sent me more risk than the ship was worth and offered me a spot in their wormhole corp and i i had to say insult yeah i lost a ship and it was you know it was a fair gank but uh and i actually sent a compliments to him saying nice shot did not see you till the you know shield warning went off literally i was in the midst of hacking a can but uh yeah the retention for eve players and it has a vicious churn is often measured there's a few people who come in and they can play solo and they can play solo for years and but there's a few odd people of every type i play solo to a certain extent there's a running joke that my corp is rookie help chat um because i come in and i get a bunch of people saying hey it's mike but for the most part I am one of the oddities of Eve in a lot of different ways. I seem to break the rules, but I try to find out what the main trends are. And if you get into a corp, even one of the NullSec huge corps, if there are people talking to you, things being organized, things being um, uh, done every day, and people checking up on you saying, how you doing, how's it going, that sort of thing. I think my favorite part I've been seeing lately is the funerals and I know that sounds really dark but I mean that is when you can see that the players are connecting as people not just as another asset to be moved on a board when you have a memorial and say we're going to do a ceasefire so that we can uh, light the Sinos and do the trip to Malia to drop off the body that sort of thing the community is what gives eve online its strength and so like i said i have nothing against ganking but i would really appreciate if the gankers when they gank somebody new even if they don't reimburse them you lost the ship because you were an idiot but next time maybe you should try this or maybe you shouldn't take a ship without checking to see the number of deaths that have happened in system you know, and teach them a bit. Because every time you teach, that player goes, 
I've got a learning investment. I've got a game investment in this. Maybe I should stay with the game a little longer and see what else I can learn. Yeah. We both have casino noises coming out of our computers, I think. Um, yeah, sorry. It must be, uh, it's mine, but it, it happens. No, it's fine. Um, okay. You, you brought up a really good point. That is that people uh, mourn the loss of their fellow comrades. And so I think that flies in the face of, hey, it's just a game, right? Like this is a social media. Let's be real. Somebody once said that Eve is a very expensive and pretty, pretty um, chat program. <laughs> right. But what about that aspect of, because uh, I think it talks about the metaverse, which uh, is really now just being discovered, uh, the power of a metaverse, which is something that I think will be much more prominent in the future. How, how we are connected, especially during this last year with uh, a disease running rampant through the world, we're all connecting through technology, like we are here. Uh, Have you seen that Eve is taking part with the University of Iceland and doing a course called the Friendship Machine? Yes, recently a CCP Ghost was on that. Uh, and this is an extension of what CCP Ghost's research is with CCP, which is what is it that is making people become friends? And part of it is the stark harshness of the environment creates the push together, right? Like the harder the environment, the tighter the bonds. That's a good, so that's why, and Eve's had a few marriages, not a ton, but a few marriages over the years. I've uh, met a few where the proposals took place, but it's had a lot of good friendships and, you know, love and hate are two sides of the same coin. There have been some really vicious uh, uh, enemies formed where you're going this and sometimes i like to see that be calmed down a little because nobody needs to be talking about cutting somebody else's hands off well nobody did but that's a common uh a myth myth that's a common myth it was use your fingers while you can because uh, the person was typing on the keyboard and they were going back and forth and uh that threat was then mutated to uh to be uh, uglier than it was because one of the guys was from Slovenia or that area, which had some really horrible things happen in recent years. And so it just mutated into something it wasn't. But I get what you're saying. Ah, darn it. I hate it when I uh, misquote a myth. Sorry about I My apologies well, to the listeners not, for uh, extending something that was not I didn't run fault. on Snopes. The PC gamer put that out. He's done... Uh, Mesner is awesome. He's a dear friend, uh, but he's, he's done some damage to some myths in Eve. And that's one of them. Uh, the other one actually really screwed over Brisk Rubal when, uh, he was, ex uh, expelled from CSM a while ago because he attached his real name to it. And that was like just tons of damage done. Uh, but yeah, talking about Eve is difficult because we're real people. Yeah. And that's one of the, that's one of the things I want to point out is, um, when you're electing a CSM representative, you're not electing the pilot. A lot of people use the icon of the pilot. I've got my face here because this is who you vote for, not Mike Azariah, the icon who drives a magic school well, bus. You're voting for the person behind that. Do, and so remember, I'm not... I got you, but do you remember when they used to say you have to use your real name because they're electing a person? Yep, they... Um, I got doxxed by CCP in CSM5, where they published my game name and my real name and what city I live in um, as part of, if you want to run, you had to say, yep, you're going to dox me. And that's weird because they are electing a person, you, your face, I see it now. But when they vote, they're not voting on your picture. They're voting on your character's picture and your character's name. And my character's alliances or lack of therein. So, yeah, each um, when you see the candidates list tomorrow for voting, it will say, uh, you know, Vili and then what Corp he's in, what alliance he's in. And with me, it'll be two lines, my name and the scope, because I've been in an NPC Corp for six, seven years. Scope, well, the news service of uh, <laughs> Eve Online. 
Yeah, one of these days I want to be just get to do a scope presentation on one of the Pulse uh, videos. Dude, yeah. that... This has been Mike Azariah from The Scope. Yeah, you got the right voice. You remember when they revealed what the... Because uh, they were testing out the animated characters and they revealed that uh, reporter that we've never seen before, but we've heard him. And he's like, totally handsome. Like... Alton Haveri. Alton Haveri, yeah. And I was like, that doesn't even look like the voice. Come on. It should look like, you know, it should look like one of us. No, instead he's some, you know, six foot nine model or something. Yeah. Totally fake. Um, Right. So it's an interesting thing, but I I do want to explore that with you because uh, you're somebody who's a deep thinker. And that is the uh, idea of what is this game? Is it, you know, I hear a lot like, hey, if you don't like it, get out. Or um, if, if Eve's not making you happy, why are you playing it? I hear that a lot. And I used to think like, I, I think if Eve's making you happy, you're not playing it right. Like that's, uh, uh, you know, if you're euphoric all the time, you're on, you're on Eve cocaine. Like you're not supposed to be euphoric all the time. You're supposed to be, you're supposed to have doldrums. And then when you hit euphoria, you know, you get that longer, it's almost like a longer buzz. Like you go a lo- you can go a longer time the next time because you're hitting valleys, mountains, uh, valleys, mountains. Contrast. Yeah. If you're constantly fighting, when it stops, when it gets slow, you're like, game is dead. Got to go. So I think there's a lot to appreciate the silence of Eve. I think that is missing. Well, you, you've seen the Bartlett uh, division of gamers into four categories before, right? Uh I've seen something like that. It probably is the Bartlett one. But what what do you think? Yeah, the there's the um, combat, the killers, the socializers, the uh, the explorers, and the the last one I can't think. The makers. Oh, the makers. Okay. Yeah, and so if you have different players, I don't think it's uh, part of that winning and Eve talk I gave quite a while ago that says we're not all playing the same game we don't all have the same goals yeah and um so there have been people who are totally happy after a hard stressful day of work they just want to go chew rocks you know and they they are very happy if they can set up a couple of procurers in some out-of-the-way place and just mine for an hour paying attention to that maybe watch a bit of um, Netflix on the side and turn it in and maybe chat or shoot the bull with a few of their fellow pilots in their corp. And so they don't they don't ever get the combat high. Their combat high is when they're uh, jumped by a wandering group and killed instantly because they're not even set up, although procures are fairly tough, but they don't play Eve for combat. And then there's other people who seem to the combat is what they play the game for and they wouldn't be caught dead in a venture. Yeah. It really bothers me. And, and Sword Dragon used to do this, so I'll call him out on it. It was, um, he created a discord and it was like only FCs. I think I was the only guest and I was the only like not FC in there. And there, and, and the, he didn't say FC. He said content creator. Like that was the name of the FCs in that discord. And I was just thinking like, what snobs these FCs are like, yeah, I can see they're content creators in that they take a bunch of guys and they ram them against a bunch of other guys and stuff like that. But if that, is that it, is that the only content in this game? Cause I would like, if you were to see something like that in, in, in talking in stations, for instance, our perspective is bigger. It would be, uh, we have something called luminaries, right? Like in our discord, if you are a luminary, you get the color blue. And how do you get that color? Well, it's not being my favorite person in the world because there's a lot of people I wish didn't have that color in there. It is what have you done in the game in whatever discipline you've done to distinguish yourself. And that's what uh, Luminaries is all about. Yeah, it's like I said, there's uh, a variety of game styles, a variety of players. So we have the... Um, you have to admit that there's not one thing, and I disagree with the content uh, creators being only the people who do combat. Uh, I don't do a ton of combat. I do occasionally, but mainly it's PvE. So that combat 
for me is running abyssal space. I love abyssal oh, yeah. space because it's a nice set time. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, for others, they consider that a boring and B I've heard people uh, complain that abyssal space is very bad for the game because it gives me a safe place where I can't get jumped because I'm so set. I've been removed to an instance and I'm not in the game at all. Although it is adrenaline. If you get to below three minutes and you haven't finished your last target or you've gotten hung on a rock trying to grab that last piece of loot, it's happened. Um, <laughs> <laughs> then uh, you, my adrenaline will be going when I go through the gate with one minute, five seconds left. You can bet I'm going to take a pause and just dock up and rest for a few seconds. Yeah. Well, it's uh, it's interesting because I think I had an interview with... Um... And I got to get this name right. CCP guy that uh, runs kind of the teams. He's kind of high up and uh, super nice guy. His name is uh, Muppet Master, I think, or Puppet Master. Muppet Hunter? Muppet Hunter. <laughs> That's what it is. I got it wrong thinking, don't get it wrong. Yeah, Muppet Hunter. And he said something really cool. It was very influential to me when he said, look, if you think about it, you're a PVPer if you got away. If you're the guy running, that's PvP too. If you're just the guy taking evasive action, you're a PvPer. And so I make the joke that the best PvPer in EVE Online is actually uh, Katya Say. Yeah, that's the name that leapt to mind when you were saying <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's the best PvPer in EVE of all time. So I don't mind. I don't mind putting that there. <laughs> well, there's been an argument that PvP, uh, market PvP, is just as dangerous and arguably plays for higher stakes. Yeah. When you have somebody who's playing, you know, if I go out and PvP in a, a Rifter, I'm going to lose three mil maybe if I didn't bling fit the bloody thing. On the other hand, if somebody decides to go after the market and corner it, they're taking risks that could be in the tens of billions easily. By and can be taken down just as hardcore as uh, me being blown up in my rifter. Yeah, the amount, the the amount of damage one person can do through the market is just out. It's just incredible leverage. It may not be. You know, my favorite, my favorite, most powerful player in the game for being able to damage the market is. Do you know who it is? No, who? Kriba. Uh, explain that. Why Kriba? He's never sold any of the Ori's mind. I didn't know that. Really? That's crazy. So over the years, consider how much ore he must have stacked up in various stations. Wow. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, did not know that. Uh, okay, also a uh, uh, tip of the hat to Ricio Typho, who was the second guy to go to every system in EVE Online. Uh, and he did it in less time, but he got killed a few times. But he uh, also traveled. He and Katya are kind of uh, world-class explorers in EVE Online. There was a guy who um, did something slightly different. And his name didn't get as much press. Um, it had dog in it. It was like Black Dog or Bad Dog, something like that. I'm sorry, names for me, even in real people, is tough. And now we've got all of EVE names as well. But he circumnavigated. He did all the outer systems according to the map in one run, which got involves a lot of zigzagging, but he did a complete lap around the outside of the map without oh. losing a ship. Oh, that's interesting. That would be interesting. I remember being at the bottom of... It wasn't Esoteria. It was like... Oh, I forget. It's the Paragon Soul, actually. And I felt like I was at the bottom of Argentina, you know? Like, I was... It was right after the Halloween War. I was an NC in a dreadnought, and we were taking out towers. And yeah. I was looking at the map, and I was like, wow, we're at the end of the cluster. We're like at the very bottom of the cluster. Uh, and I just thought, who travels here? So I think it'd be a fun race, although hard to organize unless they... Um, and like Rick's Javix ran races. And I like that. There were also ship races, but a lot of those are straight mathematics. But I would like to have, like, find that system you were talking about in Paragon Soul and find the most northern system and get everybody together, say, no jump bridges, um, 
I'd like to see how long it takes you to get from A to B all the way through. So you'd be looking at small, fast ships, but a lot of it's going through null sec. And with the changes to warp core stabs and nullification, either you fly a nullified ship and take some chances, but you can get caught. And there's, is- you know, it, it would be a neat run to just south to north. It's kind of the Michael Palin uh, series. Yeah. I lo- used to love those television shows of just having around the world in 80 days, um, north to south. He actually did one of those going straight down through Europe and down through Africa. And it's a neat concept, and I'd like to see that almost done in EVE. Yeah. Well, you would have to tell people this is going to happen in somewhere in these 24 hours, so there's more uh, obstruction and stuff. But I once talked to a, a brilliant, brilliant guy from EVE University, Seamus, and uh, he incredible had mapped out all the choke points in eve and he'd he'd done some kind of reverse engineering where he figured out that there were only certain choke points like if you were traveling from one place to another you would have to pass through one of these systems you know for instance and he had mapped that out for every direction at all times and i was looking at that thinking this is a hunter's like treasure map you know these are all the choke points in EVE Online, like, uh, and, and he and he drew it out. It was all there. I never did anything with it. I never showed it and talked about it and stuff, but it, it was fascinating to me that- That a player would do this. Well, that a player I, would do I, it, I, yes. But I, also saw, I saw the economic equivalent of that, where somebody um, data combed the uh, Zed kill and made a list of the most commonly destroyed modules. Oh, yeah. And well, then, I did that for NC dot, but yeah. Yeah, he, he did it for all of Eve. And I looked at that and went, that tells you what to make. Exactly, yeah. You know, you find the thing in the top 10, so you know that you got volume. And then you just find the one that's got the best markup or the me- easiest to get into and make. And I wound up doing six months as an industry guy in a pause um, doing Warp Scrambler 2s. And inventing the, I didn't have a BPO. I had the, you know, I was doing the invention and then the manu, the uh, manufacture and the copying of the blueprints. And I ran that for six months solo in an inherited uh, pause. Yeah. Finally lost the pause after I'd stopped. It was just, it, that was a lot of work keeping the damn thing refueled. Half the time I'd be just doing the shipping of the scrams to Jita and then grabbing the fuel and taking the fuel back and putting it in and yeah. doing the spreadsheets just to make sure I wasn't pissing money down the uh You're never sure, right? Like, you're never sure either. It's crazy how how hard it is to make a buck building when everybody's competing against you. Uh, it's It's just, it's hard. One thing I did when I got to NC dot is I looked at all the fits and I melted them down to their ingredients, I call it. And, and then I took all those ingredients and said, this is the stuff I need to build for all these fits uh, over and over and over again. And I weighted stuff for use, right? So if we were using uh, eagles a lot, I would weight that twice as much or whatever. Um, but the, then I would take all the stuff that I needed to build and then I would bring that down to how many minerals I needed Per ratio. So if I was going to build ships, the ratios would be for every trit, I need 0.1 uh, isogen or something like that. And that way I always had enough minerals more or less to finish batches as opposed to running out of Mexilon and having to run to the market just to finish an order when I had plenty That's of That's ma- the material equivalent of a choke point. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. And I had one for modules and I had one for ships and that is how I worked for a while. Other people work if you can if you can create the amount of the if you have the amount of money to do this, which I've never had. You can just buy everything and just restock constantly. Be a grocery store, have everything ready. And just well, that's restock. to a certain extent. That's what the bus does. Fair I enough. have to. I go to the various. Um, I don't make this the, the magic ships, school bus. I, this is the magic I said school I, bus, right? Yeah, the magic yeah. school bus. I don't have the time to run a full manufacturing for all the different systems and modules. Although I have put together a couple of uh, cans that have the full set of BPCs to be able to make a ship or two, like with all the modules. In other words, the fitted ship package. And I've been, I've handed one or two of those out. I should do that more often. But um, the, the bus, I just go to the nearest trade hub. So if I'm doing the Galente run, I go to Dodixie, uh, yeah, Dodi. 
and uh, buy up the ships, load them into the bowhead, and station them at the three um, career systems. So each career system has a cache of ships in it, and it, I have to watch my the flow to make sure that I'm not running out of... It's embarrassing if I, all of a sudden everybody is there and wants to destroy or fit it out. I'm going, I've got six destroyers left. Me, 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 three, two, one. Anybody else? Nope. Okay, good. You know, <laughs> close it down close before one more person. Yeah. <laughs> Slam the door. We, we closed. Yeah, don't blink the sign. Yeah, so, um, but the bus has uh, caches in the uh, 12 systems that there are there. And then my worry is just to keep an eye on the flow of what needs to get shipped out. My problem is, ever since uh, Poshvin shut down a lot of the trade routes, is the atrophy of Minmatar space. Mm. I actually couldn't fit the ships I wanted to put. And this is rookie T1 fits. They did not have enough guns for me to ship uh, to fit 20 ships and ship them. As a result, I had to do a long run all the way to Jita and back just to be able to put ships together. Um, which was, yeah. it's a natural effect, but I worry for some of the uh, heck and wrens are taking a beating. And because they're starting to feel like third world uh, Is this recently? Mar Marcus with the empty shelves, mm. if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, everything's out of stock. Is this, and then you lose confidence in the market, and then it just dies even faster. Is this recent? This is uh, your recent Yeah, this is over the last month or two when I've been doing the stock. I, I really noticed it. Um, just after Christmas, uh, in January and February of this year, I, I, I really start to feel like those, it's becoming more and more of a ghost town and the people who are there, I don't get as many players. I think the word's getting out that, uh, nobody goes there and players don't, like I said, this is a social game. So it'd be advantageous for some people. If you want to mine, make a Minmatar character. If you make a Caldari character and you plan on mining in high sec, that's being sucked dry almost every day. But if there's one quarter the number of players in Minmatar space, you can probably mine inside the career system all day and not run out of rock. Yeah. Well, that's... Uh, just a second. Six donuts in the, in the Twitch chat. It's... It's still operating. I'm not saying Renz is shut down. I'm just saying when you're trying to buy in bulk, like the bus does, um, it becomes an issue. I can't. They don't have 90 um, ga um, auto cannons or something like that. So I start finding that I uh, I hit limiting factors. I can fit a ship, but the bus doesn't work in singular. Yeah, I've often. Uh... Well, not often, but a few times I've talked to Fozzie about the market and how it's limited, like each character is limited in how much they can put down, which means they only want to put down stuff that is either good selling or high margins. So you don't get the filler stuff that might round out orders that you need, unless you put a multi, you know, second character there so you have another 255 uh, thing, um, orders that you can fill. Uh, and stuff and so i was i was asking him like can't you do that like maybe a market cap or you know some other way of doing it but i think it's just a limitation of the way the thing is programmed and to a certain extent um ccp enjoys the fact that we have a player run market and they don't want to be seen to be trying to put their finger on the scale was the phrase i used early on in this chat but they don't want to be seen to be trying to influence the market or play it out. They, This is what happened to the geography, and this is what happens. It's Route 66. Uh, when the big super high, highways went on in the southeast or southwest states, all of a sudden, all those neat little towns along the old highway, Route 66, became ghost towns. Yeah. And I've driven Route 66 um, doing the run out to the Grand Canyon from Vegas, and I love those little towns, but man, it hurts to see some of them. Yeah, the diners that are, uh, you know, just drying up. Um, and I love the old rocket ships, the logos yeah, and the, the things neon attract, and that yeah. sort of thing. The, the things to attract people to stop, the little, yeah, it's interesting. 
Well, uh, we're at the hour mark, Mike, and... Yeah, I think we should call it. Yeah. Uh, just a second, I got one la to the Twitch people. If you got any last-minute questions, I tried to answer some, but um, uh, I'll answer two or three, and then we'll call it. Redeemer, most enjoyable aspect of the game is talking to the people. You guys. It's a boring solo game, but uh, like I said, I live in rookie help chat. I help people. I visit various systems. I chat with people. And then talking to people like Matterall and the other uh, people that I talk to in the game. I, For me, this is a socialization. It's a club. You know, this is my social club. Yeah, well said. All right, Mike, good luck to you tomorrow. The election starts for CSM 16. Mike Azariah. Somebody asked, who is this guy? Mike Azariah. I'm on the ballot. You might have to scroll down a bit because there's 46 people on the freaking ballot. Yeah. A ton of experience that, that he has. He also is uh, probably uh, considered a high-sec candidate, if you want to think of it in those terms, uh, in that he's not part of a block. And his gameplay is uh, mostly socializing and bringing ships to players to help them out and replace their ships uh, so that the young ones can get right back into the action if they want to. Mike, pleasure to talk with you. Always a pleasure to be on. All right. Thanks, everyone, for hanging out with uh, Talking Stations again. We're going to change some things here at TIS. Uh, we'll be making announcements in the future on uh, the kinds of uh, shows that we're going to do, but it's time to evolve. Uh, I was going to do that, um, and uh, now it seems like good time. One, one last thing. I'm going to take the headphones off. I want to show off the cat so people can get... There's no sense of scale. That's just the fuzzy beast back there. All right, cat cam. So there we're go. going to have the cat delivery so you can compare to head. <laughs> wow. Yeah, put the glasses on. Or uh, Oh, that's a frown. Look at that. <laughs> yeah, about the same size. Nice. What's the cat's name? This is Kida. Kida oh. is a Maine Coon. Kita does not like being on camera. <laughs> yeah, we can tell. All right. Nice to meet Kita. And uh, thanks for coming by, Mike. It's always a pleasure. Thanks a lot. All right, everybody. We'll see you next time on Talking in Stations.